0: Hello everybody, this is Joseph P. Farrell with news and views from the Nefarium on September 3rd, 2020 It's already September, if you can believe that folks, what a year (laughs) But anyway, I'm wearing my old hat today because um, we're saying goodbye to an old friend And we'll get to that in a minute, but first reminder, uh, we have Uh, A vid chat tomorrow, that will be at 6.30 U.S. Central Time As always, I'll be in there a couple of hours early For pre-chat, which is where we sit around And just talk about whatever it is we want to talk about Before we get on to the more formal part of me Responding to comments and questions that people email me So if you're not a member, check it out sometime Uh, It's only um, $12.99 a month I think that's it And uh, we have a lot of fun on the vid chats, and unlike a lot of places that have vid chats, ours go on for some time, and they're a lot of fun. But anyway, I've got two articles I want to talk about. One is from Zero Hedge, and it may seem unrelated completely to the second article, Uh, Which is about the recent resignation announcement of Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe, who we're saying goodbye to. He's been around for a while. And uh, I want to read that article and give you my prognosis for what's going on. All right. But the first article is from Zero Hedge. And like I say, this may seem completely unrelated to the other story. but it isn't, because they're both about geopolitics, all right? And the Zero Hedge article was written um, by Chris McIntosh. Uh, Zero Hedge is citing a website called Capitalist Exploits. The article is titled, Putin Gives Middle Finger to Gates and the Marxist UN Agenda, <laughs> unquote. Or, as I've subtitled it, Bad News for Mr. Globalone. <laughs> okay but i'm skipping in this article because like i say i want to talk about the abe resignation that's my primary focus but this is this article is worth your time it's it's a humdinger and the last section of the article is what i want to read to you because there's an interesting take that this guy has on it and i want to set the record clear right now i'm in agreement with him okay And the last section of this article is titled, Russia Approves World's First COVID Vaccine. All right? Now, what's that got to do with geopolitics, you might say? Well, listen to this. Quote, stop laughing and stay with me here. It's no funnier than when Gates miraculously produces one in the next few months. Now, given that you're a smart reader, you likely don't need me saying this. But I will for clarity's sake, if you think any of this COVID hysteria and vaccine hysteria has anything to do with health, then I've got a bridge to sell you. It wasn't a surprise to, see, uh, to us to see Putin get on, the, get on the front foot on the vaccine narrative. Again, realize this has nothing to do with a vaccine for Russia any more than it does for Gates vaccine for the world. This is simply about control. We don't need a bloody vaccine for this any more than we need one for SARS, MERS, AIDS, and a host of other infectious diseases, which we've never managed to develop develop a vaccine for. If Putin uh, waited until Billy came out with a vaccine, he would have been on a back foot, forced to say, NYET, yet we'll pass, thanks. Far more powerful to say, oh, you have one too, That's nice. You want us to take yours? How kind, but we don't need it. We have our own, remember? So this is why Russia has a vaccine. To counter this globalist threat. The next step was to rapidly begin forming this new alliance of interested parties. Remember the countries I mentioned that don't benefit from the UN Agenda 2030 initiative? Why, I'm glad you asked. The Philippines, Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, and wait for it, Brazil. All resource-rich countries who most definitely don't benefit from Gates' vision for a new world. Imagine that. We've been promising you for at least two years now, the world is going to go through an incredibly volatile period where the geopolitical world we've enjoyed since World War II fractures, breaks, and is reconfigured. We are seeing the forming of these new alliances right now. Buckle up, this is not going to be smooth sailing. Unquote. Now I happen to agree with them. That's what Russia's vaccine is about. Okay? And it's it's interesting to consider why. Because we've already Seen the stories in the alternative media about how Lieber was involved in nanotechnology and how Gates wants to have a vaccine that is constantly updated and therefore wants to use a vaccine to get everybody to accept actual implanted tracking. So that they don't have to do the, the, the human tracking, but tracking people who have received his vaccine so they can get his micro sludge updates on their vaccines from time to time, just download it. So in other words, they're talking about a bioelectric type of vaccine, which I've been arguing in some blogs also implies a bioelectric technology to create illness and target specific populations. Just turn on the switch and bang, you activate the virus and there are some people who have been maintaining that there is a suspicious resemblance of covid and other respiratory disease symptoms to the type of interference and and tissue damage that's that's done with electromagnetic fields of a very strong nature all right and i've i've blogged about that nifty uh thing as well so what do we have we have putin saying no to the whole f- globalist vaccine financial reset agenda. That's what I want you to take away from this because they're, part of this narrative is being used to drive a financial reset if you've been paying close attention. All right. So Putin is saying no. And by the way, folks, The problem with Russia saying no is it throws a huge monkey wrench into Mr. Globaloni's plans to have a global technocracy where corporations and financial experts run the world, all right? Russia just said no. And the problem for Mr. Globaloni is the same problem they've always had, and that is Russia (laughs) not only has nukes but has thermonuclear weapons, and very interesting and nifty and fun ways to deliver them, all right? So in other words, this is um, <laughs> this is a big fly in the ointment for Mr. Bail Gates and his cronies in Mr. Globaloni's central bank and all related banksters. Now, with that little geopolitical story hanging <laughs> in the background, I want to turn to the main story here today, which is um, – the sudden resignation of Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe. In fact, it was so sudden, and and this article talks about it. Uh, This is the Kyoto News from Japan uh, a couple days ago, August 8th. This article actually says that his resignation was so sudden and unexpected that his own aides were surprised at the announcement, okay? So in other words... Something's going on here and I want you to listen to the explanations here. I'm going to read uh, a few paragraphs from this article. I'll be linking it for you. I'm going to concentrate on the end of this article because obviously the sudden resignation of the Japanese prime minister who's been around for a long time, folks. In fact, the article points out, as I'm going to read to you, that he has been the longest-serving Japanese prime minister in history. All right? So this is very significant. And we've seen Abe undertake a number of very interesting geopolitical long-term measures, and that's the story here. So here we go. The article is titled, Japan Prime Minister Abe Resigns Due to Illness with Many Issues Unresolved. And again, this is from Kyoto News two days ago, or a few days ago now, about five days, August 28th, 2020. Quote, Prime Minister Shinzo Abe said Friday he will resign due to a flare-up of his chronic intestinal disease, ending his nearly eight-year stint as Japan's longest-serving leader in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic, with many of his political ambitions unrealized. Abe, who just four days ago set a record of staying in power for 2,799 consecutive days, will leave office without achieving his long-cherished goal of amending Japan's pacifist constitution or seeing the Tokyo Olympics due to be staged next summer while, the country's, while still the country's leader, and skipping a few paragraphs. Asked who he thinks should succeed him the premier refrained from commenting. Potential candidates include Fumio Kishida, the Liberal Democratic Party policy chief, and a former foreign minister, listen to that, Yoshihide Suga, known for his behind-the-scenes coordination skills, who has been the chief cabinet secretary since Abe returned to power in 2012, Shigeru Ishiba, former defense minister, so... Cabinet secretary, foreign minister, defense minister, who has often been critical of the prime minister. But finance minister, Taro Asso, who doubles as deputy prime minister, said during a meeting Friday night of his party faction that he will not aim to become the next Liberal Democratic Party president, according to an attendee of the gathering. Now... What I'm stressing here is is that some of the major frontrunners are from very interesting ministries, defense and foreign affairs. All right? Skipping now. During Friday's press conference, Abe said it was gut-wrenching to have to leave the job while still trying to guide the Japanese economy out of deflation sign a peace treaty with Russia, and remember what I've said about that, folks, we'll get back to that, and amend the Constitution. He also said he's pained by his failure to resolve the abduction of Japanese nationals by North Korea in the 1970s and 1980s. Okay? Ending the article. Abe was often regarded as a hawkish conservative seeking to raise Japan's profile overseas, and he's certainly done that, folks. He's been pressing for a revision to the Japanese constitution to allow an increase in Japanese defense spending, and he's gone to the lengths of creating a, a diplomatic channel to Russia and sidestep the issue of the Kuril Islands, which are disputed by Japan and Russia, he said, "We'll table all that, let's just talk some trade, okay? And I've also blogged about the fact that Japan, recently in the last couple of years, sent and was invited by the Russians to test the Trans-Siberian Railway lines for the purposes, I think, of high-speed rail, what what needs to be done to convert that whole thing to high speed rail. So in other words, I think Abe and I've argued this many many times. Abe has been playing a very long term diplomacy game. And part of that game is including increasing defense spending. And there's two reasons for that. Number 1, looking at the situation in the US in the USA and its unreliability as an ally. And if you're the Japanese, would you want to rely on an unreliable ally way across the Pacific when you've got China right across the Chinese Sea? Answer, no. Okay. So in other words, what I've been saying all along is even though Japan is mouthing that it's increasing its defense spending because it wants to play its role with the United States as the other major allied power in the Pacific, But in the long term, it's also about something else, the ultimate demise of the USA and that Japan is going to have to defend itself. Okay? I've been arguing both things. So keep that in mind. In 2014, he went ahead with a reinterpretation of the pacifist constitution to enable the use of collective self-defense, defending allies, even without an attack on Japan itself and expanded the role of its defense forces under new security legislation in 2016. In the diplomatic arena, Abe was a familiar face in international gatherings, and Japanese government officials said he could talk frankly with many foreign leaders, notably U.S. President Donald Trump, who has become his golf buddy. But the abduction issue remains unresolved even though Abe said it was the highest priority for his administration and no date has been fixed for a summit with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un in spite of Abe's overtures. Trump raised the issue when he held his second summit with Kim in the Vietnamese capital of Hanoi in February 2019 at Abe's request. Negotiations toward signing a post-war treaty with Russia have hit a snag as well. Tokyo-Moscow ties have remained hampered by a decades-old territorial row over Russian-held islands off of Hokkaido. All right, And that's the end of the article. So Abe stepping down. So what can we expect? Well, we saw last year the resignation, the abdication of Emperor Nakahito. He was quite old, granted, but we have a new Japanese Emperor. He was uh, His coronation was last a, a year ago uh, in 2019 in, in May, and Emperor Narahito is his name, so he's fairly young, and now we have the resignation a year later of Prime Minister Abe. Now, I'm not saying the two are connected or that this is all planned. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. What I'm emphasizing here is that with the focus on a smooth transition of the head of state to Narahito, Abe stepping down and now the three contenders being a former defense minister, a former foreign affairs minister, and the cabinet secretary. All right. With those three in contention, what I think this means is do not expect any change of Japanese policy. In other words, Abe's policy is reflecting or reflected a decision of the long-term strategic interests of Japan that the Japanese political class determined to be necessary. And I suspect that those discussions at some point included the imperial household and probably certainly have included emperor naruhito i don't think abe would have just up and resigned without having some quiet talks with the emperor in the background all right so in other words i don't think you can expect any change in japanese policy except in the following areas number one the new prime minister is going to push, probably with even more vigor, and I'm guessing here, but this is my best guess, probably with even more vigor, the amendment of the Japanese constitution to allow a higher ceiling for defense spending as a percentage of gross domestic product. And in fact, you may see that uh, dramatically expanded, particularly now that China is so unstable and the the government of China looks like it's lashing out in all directions. I mean, it's, it's unreal to me what they've been doing. So I think that's going to put pressure on Japan and whoever takes over from Abe that is going to put pressure on them to change the Constitution and raise that uh, defense spending limit, which is a provision of their Constitution by a rather dramatic degree. And that, number two, is going to dramatically expand Japanese rearmament, all right? And I think, again, this this is in the cards. Japan is the only other major power in the area that can afford and has the technology for that kind of defense role in the Pacific Basin and play a part in containing China. Now, as you know, I've been arguing that we're watching the formation of a de facto quadruple entente between Japan, Russia, India, and the United States as a means of containing China. Not a formal alliance, but an agreement on all powers that they have to watch China very carefully and coordinate with each other as much as possible. Number three, the third area I don't think that you're going to see much change in the policies of the Japanese government is in diplomacy. And I've been stressing Abe's talks with Russia – And I will add to that, you can expect the Japanese to continue making overtures to Korea, but watch carefully. I think a younger, more vigorous successor to Mr. Abe means in the pursuit of these same policy goals that you're going to see Japan dramatically increase overtures to the Philippines. Remember, Japan recently said they'd step up and pay for some of the infrastructure development for the United States old naval base at Subic Bay in the Philippines. while Japan has offered to foot some of that bill. I think that will increase. So you're going to see Japan expanding uh, their talks with the Philippines, definitely with Indonesia, and here comes one that may be a surprise, definitely with Australia. All right. So I don't think Abe's resignation, in other words, portends any change Except in the vigor and degree and sense of urgency with which Abe's policies are pursued. Remember, I think those policies were set long before Abe took power, as the Japanese were watching the decline of the United States and the growing, you know, hysteria in this country. So I think I think you're gonna see much more of the same out of Japan only it's going to be a little more robust if you take my meaning. Anyway, that's my news and views. Don't forget, tomorrow we have the vid chat, 6.30. I'll be there a couple of hours early. We've already got some questions. Uh, One from a member in Australia is a real humdinger. (laughs) So I'm looking forward to that. Anyway, we'll see you guys tomorrow, those of you who are members, and the rest of you, we'll see you on the flip side. Bye-bye, and God bless.